Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. Amen. There's many more testimonies, as I said, that we can share, but uh, I also want to give you some word uh, this morning, and uh, I want to send you out equipped and ready to, to continue this ministry. One of the things that we shared on last week was, um, like Ruan said, that God declared the end from the beginning. I think it's Isaiah 42 or Isaiah 46, where the end really is in the beginning. So when we looked at it, we said, God's plan is in Genesis 1. It is God created, God established, God wanted to be the father of lights. And uh, the book of James elaborates on that. And we know that lights are the stars, but then the next verse in James says, but he begot you through the word of truth. So he birthed you. He birthed the stars through speaking, and he birthed you through speaking the word of truth. But when you listen and respond, you become one of the, the, the lights in the kingdom. Amen. And Jesus said it in Matthew, the book of Matthew, he says, you are the light of the world. So you see how all of this really comes together, and I'm not wanting to re rehearse last week's message. I probably won't be able to. When we had two services, I couldn't even preach the same message twice because it just works different. I mean. But we need to build on that. We need to take it further. And one of the ways to take it further is to think about it. And, um, and, and we've got some questions around what does this mean? And how do you apply this? And, and in terms of our thinking, what does this mean in terms of what God did after Adam and Eve sinned? So in Genesis 1, it's before the sin. It's before the fall of man. And then in Genesis 3.15, God says to, to, to Eve, that says, your seed will crush his head, the, the snake's head. So that's a prophecy of, of Jesus. Okay? But what we've done is, I've realized, is we've put Jesus in this box around the cross. And for the last while, we've stepped out of that a little bit, and we've, we've gone from the cross to the resurrection, and maybe to the ascension, and then to him now living in us. But God's plan has forever for, for been for God to live in you. For you to be partaking of the spiritual life. And the more I read the word, the more I see the simplicity, as 2 Corinthians 9, I believe, says, do not be deceived, do not be beguiled like Eve was through the snake. So it takes it back to Genesis 1, or Genesis 2, 3. And he says, to be removed from the simplicity that is Christ. Okay, I want to say that, that, that the message is simple. The message is simple. You're going to come back next week, you're going to hear the same message. And I realized that if Jesus is enough, listen to this, this is good. If we say Jesus is enough, who says Jesus is enough? Okay, then why do you, hear to, why do you need to hear something else next week? If the message we have is Christ, and we say Christ is enough, then all we need to do is focus on what we've got. We do not need to add anything, because everyone will say, yes, Jesus is enough, amen. Okay, but I want to I add a little bit, I want to do a little bit, I want to I more, I, I'm not saying let's not go wider, I'm saying let's go deeper. Grow your roots deep into the love of God. The simplicity of Christ, that is the message, and that's really what we need to dig out of the Word. So it says, if He declared the end from the beginning, does that mean that God didn't make a plan after Adam and Eve sinned? Another way to ask the question, if we say Jesus is, was never plan B, what is it that God came up with after the fall of man? Because that's a plan, amen? There's a plan to send someone to redeem the earth, to restore what Adam and Eve has lost. Okay, I'm not taking away from that. I say maybe there's more. The other way is to, to ask, has he already had a plan in place? Did he know that Adam and Eve will sin? Is that the plan? Because that, that, that's one way to answer the question. God knew they would sin, so Jesus was always the plan. No, that's not really true. Even though it is true, there's more to it again. And I'm not trying to confuse you. I'm trying to, to quickly answer this question because I think it's pertinent. It, ask us, where does Jesus fit in? The other way I can ask the question is, what's the purpose of Jesus? Okay? Think about it. And I hope to challenge your, your answer. Now Henry said, buckle up. So if you're a visitor, we go deep. Amen. What is the purpose of Jesus? Because the purpose, God's purpose and God's plan needs to align. Amen. God's not going to confuse His purpose with His plan. So if Jesus is the plan, what is the purpose? 
Okay, is everyone awake? You want to get up quickly and, 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 and rattle? Is it too hot in here? Like, what is the purpose and what is the plan of Jesus? So, thank you for the word, amen? Because the word has answers. Um, so let's go to 2, 2 Timothy. Or 2 Timothy. Follow-up question is, how does free will fit in with all of this? Which is a very good question, by the way. So, let me not run ahead. So it speaks here about God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Okay? That's grace. Not according to your works, but according to His own purpose. Okay, so what's the purpose of Jesus? Well, your calling is not according to your purpose. Your calling is according to His purpose. Amen? So if you're in Christ, you have both a calling and a purpose. So stop looking for it. So many people are, are on this hamster wheel of looking for their purpose and finding their calling. Your purpose and your calling is to be part of Christ and to be busy with what He's busy with. Okay? That's easy. But according to His own purpose and grace. So not works, but grace. You see the contrast. Which was given to us in Christ Jesus. Okay, I think up to there we're all fine. Up to there, like we've, we, we've, as a church, we've walked this out and we're quite clear. It's not about works, it's about grace. It's not about what we do, it's about what He's done. It's not about what we try to accomplish, but what He has accomplished. And therefore, we basically echo the finished work of Christ. But what was very interesting, it says before time began. So not from the cross. The, 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 the King James says before the world began. Because, what is the world? Well, this goes all the way back to Genesis 1. So you had a purpose, a calling, and a plan to be one with Christ, and that plan, purpose, and calling was there before the world began, so it was before Adam and Eve sinned. Okay? So where does Jesus fit in in all of this? Well, Jesus really is, 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 is the analogy, the picture is the tree of life. Now, the tree of life was there before Adam and Eve sinned, wasn't it? So the plan of God has always been for you to eat of the tree of life. But He didn't force it on you, it was free will, so He put another tree there. And by the way, if you read Genesis carefully, the tree of life was in the middle of the garden, so it was obvious. I wonder what that tree looked like. I found a children's Bible that hasn't have Adam, Eve, and the apple. Amen? Praise God, if you don't know what that is, that's good. <laughs> because you seldom see the tree of life celebrated in children's Bibles, you always see Adam, Eve, and the snake, and an apple, which I believe is wrong. But we'll get there. So, Jesus now is prophesied as restoring what Adam and Eve lost by eating of the wrong tree. Everyone with me? But He was there from the beginning because the tree of life was freely available. The Word says the tree of life was in the middle of the garden. Oh yeah, there was another tree also, which by implication wasn't in the middle, wasn't the focus point. That's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And guess what? The snake didn't convince them to eat of the tree of life because he didn't want to celebrate spiritual life with Christ. He convinced them to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil because that's what humanity does. And the carnality is we want to fix things. We want to, we want to prove things. We want to earn things. Okay. So can you see that the plan was there in the tree and the tree was there before the fall of man? I think it, it, it simplifies it a little bit. The next verse then says but is now made manifest. So the plan was there, but it was invisible. Now the plan is made visible, or revealed, or manifested, by the appearing. So not by the creation of Christ, by the appearing of Christ. That's very important. So Christ was there from the beginning, but now He appeared as Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death, and brought what? Life and immortality. He brought the tree of life back into focus. But he had to deal with the fallen state so that we don't eat of the tree of life and live forever, become immortal in a fallen state. You know what that means? It's like we, we can't be stuck in the knowledge of good and evil and in death, because that's the fruit thereof, and then live forever. Because you can live forever with a horrible cancer thing. So God had to restore what he planned. So Jesus is both the plan and the restoration to that plan. And that helps me. 
I always say that's the Holy Spirit, amen. <laughs> but it was brought to light. And last week we, showed, we shared about this light. It was brought to light through the gospel. Okay, so Jesus restores what Adam and Eve lost. He restores us to the state of where Adam and Eve was before creation. But now he says, eat of this tree, the tree of life, and actually live forever. Because then Romans 5 makes a lot of sense that says we have more than Adam had. Why? Because Adam never ate of the tree of life. And he ate of the wrong tree. And then the whole of the Bible was basically used to restore us to a state. And then Revelation says there's only one tree left. And that's the tree of life. And where's the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Well, I believe that's the cross. And guess what? It was dead wood. It wasn't growing. And it wasn't resurrected. Only Jesus came off the cross. The tree stayed down. Amen? That makes a lot of sense for me, by the way. It brings the Bible into a clarified, simple message that's about Christ. And then there's no beguiling. There's no distracting. There's no distortion outside of Christ. So he says in verse 11, Whereunto I am appointed a preacher, an apostle, a teacher to the Gentiles. So what I'm challenging myself with is if I'm a preacher, if I'm a teacher, what is my message? Because if we go back to verse 10, we are preaching that message good. Verse 10 says that we're preaching the Savior, the gospel, the light of our salvation, the immortality. But we need to preach the message in verse 9 as well that says that you have forever been part of the plan of God to live in restoration with God, to live in the fullness of God. And guess what? Sin got in the way. But the plan of God was not just to deal with sin. The plan is much bigger. So where we got stuck at the foot of the cross, I believe we now get into a revelation of what it means to be seated in Christ in heavenly places. Sin was in the way, but sin is dealt with. So now we are restored to the original purpose and calling of God, which is for Him to live in you, to be engraved and grafted into the tree of life. Okay, that's the Bible in 15 minutes. That's really the story of the Bible. Like, like once you, someone said this week, once you look for a red car, you see red cars everywhere. Once you see this, you see it everywhere. There's, there's four more verses, three more verses I can give you this morning. But this was just to answer that question. What is the plan of God if the plan of God is bigger than the cross? Okay, the plan has forever been bigger than the cross. The cross just got in the way. Sin just got in the way because man ate of the wrong tree. But the plan has always been to eat of the tree of life. And now we are restored to have that opportunity to eat of this tree. So God's original purpose, calling and plan that has been there since before the world began is now in motion is accessible. It is for you. Does that help anyone? The concept really goes over into spiritual man and carnal man. And we'll, as we, we dig into this new series, we'll, it's not really a new series, it's like a subset of what we're busy with, but it's, it's, it's going to focus in on that because God's plan has always been for you to be spiritual. To be in the image and likeness of God. Genesis 1.27. But he made the first man dust, didn't he? You can say yes. I know sometimes people ask questions and they want you to answer wrong. No, that, that's true. Because Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15.45 says, And so it is written, the first man was made a living soul. The last Adam was a quickening or a life-giving spirit. So he's speaking about Adam in Genesis, and he's speaking about Jesus, the man, now made of flesh, in, uh, but, but spiritual. The Amplified Classic says, Thus it is written, The first man became a living being, an individual personality. The last Adam, or Christ, became a life-giving spirit, restoring the dead to life. Giving us back the access to the tree of life to become spiritual again. Okay. Because if you look at the word promise in Hebrews 11, that speaks about faith. That spiritual promise is to become part of the Spirit of God. But Moses, Abraham, all of those guys could not become spiritual because they were living before the cross. So they were still living under the wrong tree. And Jesus had to come and fix that through His death, burial, and resurrection. Restore us, restore what Adam and Eve lost, so that now after the resurrection, after Pentecost... We now can say, yes, Lord, I want to be spiritual. And that really is the gospel. It's not what you should change, but it's what you're missing out on. 
Because if I tell you, and I say this now often, is if I tell you what to change, that's not good news. You have to lose weight. You have to drink less coffee. You have to get up 4 o'clock in the morning. Good news for who? Okay, no hands. No one is super spiritual. But if I tell you, hey, you're missing out on a life-giving crucial spiritual part. There's something that God planned for you to have and you're not having it. And guess what? It's for free. Good news? So which one is the gospel? Because indefinitely, the gospel has to be good news. It changes how you do ministry. It gives you a boldness. It gives you a confidence to approach people, not of what they should change about themselves, but of what they're missing out on and who you're to deliver. It's much easier to share the gospel because, in fact, you're only sharing the gospel then. Verse 46 says, But it is not the spiritual life which came first, but the physical, and then the spiritual. So what it says is Adam was created physical, and he was invited to become spiritual by eating of the tree of life, but he never did. So you see, it's not on God, but it is, it is on you. It's not through works, but it's through choice. And that really brings us back in line with the gospel. It is not about works that gets you to be spiritual. It is about whether you choose it or not. Adam, Eve, there's a tree. This is the nice tree, by the way. Eat of this tree. Don't eat of this tree. And what do they do? They want to understand the world. They want to be right. They want to be carnal. It says it was good to the eyes. It was good to touch. The, 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 the hidden message there, it was sensual. It was of the senses. It was of the carnal man. It doesn't say that of the tree of life. Because we want to touch, hear, smell, see, feel. We want to understand. We want to be entertained. But the spiritual reality is more than that. So God made us dust, but He invites us to become stars. He made us on the earth, but He invites us to now live in heaven with Him. But it's an invitation. Now that deals with predestination. And I realize that's a, that's a heavy. So we'll unpack that some more. How I currently see predestination is that the whole world, every person was predestined to become spiritual. To be adopted as a son of God, Romans 16 says. But not everyone chose that. That deals with predestination. That deals with it pretty good, by the way. Because everyone who preaches predestination as the, the selected few is usually part of that selected few. So it's easy to preach it because I'm included. But what if you're not? And who says you are? And what do you base it on? Bring me the scriptures. And they'll bring scriptures, but they'll, they'll turn it around a bit. If you read Romans 9. You see, I write messages, but I think about all these things continuously. So I'm not even looking at it now. Romans 9 says that God loved Isaac and he hated Esau. That's a problem. Because my God is love. So what do you do with that? We have to come out of Romans 8. And Romans 8 speaks about no condemnation. Romans 8, in fact, speaks so much about spiritual man versus carnal man. Then we go into Romans 9, we need to have that mindset of context. The context is what is carnal and what is spiritual. And the context there says, God loved Isaac... And if you read it, one of the translations of the Greek of hate is loveless. So he still loved him, but he loved him less. Which is not hate, which is not the test, which is not what the people want to put in there. Because if God is good, God is love, there's no record of wrong, there's no, there's no darkness, how can he hate? Okay, so that deals with that part for me. But that's not the, that's not the point. The point is, Esau and Isaac is an analogy, is a prophetic picture, a narrative, a story of the true reality. Amen? Which is, the younger will serve the older. That's what was prophesied. Now, I'm not asking for hands, but you know when you were birthed, naturally. When you came out of your mother. Okay? And then hopefully if you're here today, you know when you got born again. Okay? If you don't, come talk to us. We want to make sure. Which happened first? Natural birth. So what part of you is older in years? 
the natural man. So now the prophecy is that the older, the natural man, will serve the younger you, the spiritual man. So your flesh submits to the spirit, and you're in line with the tree and the plan of God, the purpose and calling. And that's predestination. You were predestined to live spiritual. These are profound truths. So you're going to have to check it out. Don't take my word. Please don't. But I hopefully give you some clues on this map and say, hey, go dig there. Because the plan of God was before the world began. So the plan of God is not Abraham. The plan of God works through Abraham. The plan was there from the beginning. I didn't think I was going that deep so soon. But anyway, so we're, here we are now. How do we get out? <laughs> it's free will. Because if it's predestination, it's not free will. Because then only some people have free will. It just doesn't align. I know I'm hitting a lot of holy cows now, but that's good. God is not a respecter of persons. Amen. Adam was invited to eat of the tree of life, to partake of the spiritual life, to have God in spiritual form live in him. The spiritual eternal was always according to God's calling, plan, and purpose. That's predestination. But he provided it via free will. You choose. Not of works. You choose. Listen to this. This goes all the way back to in the beginning. That's the beginning. The plan is for you to choose. The plan has always been that we should be one with God. That's the plan. The plan has always been that you be one with God. But not because of our works, but because of our choice. If you still struggle with this, there were two trees. And God said, do not eat of this one, but hey, here's an opportunity. He put the one with the opportunity of life in the middle of the garden, by the way. So he didn't even stack it against us. He stacked it in our favor. But the carnal man said, I want to do it myself. Deuteronomy 30 and verse 19. We know this, but it links up beautifully. It says, I call heaven and earth to record to you again this day that I have set before you, what? Life and death. Two trees. Blessing and cursing. God is not the one who curses you, by the way. You choose it. <laughs> you align incorrectly. Therefore, he doesn't just leave it there. He stacks the odds in your favor. He points you to the right answer. He says, therefore, choose life. Eat of the tree of life. Be one with Christ. Be spiritual. We can use all those words. It's the same thing. That both you and your descendants or your seed may live. God didn't come up with new ideas in Deuteronomy. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We, we say that, but we don't apply that. He is the same from the beginning because He declares the end from the beginning. So everything in it must be then of the same. Does that help anyone? Does that challenge anyone? I hope so. <laughs> Why the Etienne in, in Tigerberg, he's got the saying, he says, a good word is a challenging word. So, um, I'm not 100% there yet. I still love you. And I want to hug you and wipe your tears and all of that as your pastor. But I have to equip you. I have to help you with answers. Because the word says, be ready with answers when they ask you for the hope that is in you. So, we're living as people of the light. So, people are going to come to us and say, hey, what's up? How do you see this? What do you think about this? And that's what we as a family are, are doing together. Now, I'm asking you a question this morning. Is, are you satisfied with life? If we didn't go deep enough already. Are you satisfied with life? And again, this is between you and God. You, like, you don't need to say yes or no to me. I'd like, for me, it will be awesome if we all are, but I know it's probably not true. Are you satisfied with life? Psalm 17 and verse 15. This blessed me out of my socks this week. Psalm 17 and verse 15. says, As for me, you see, this is for you. Are you satisfied? As for me, I will see your face in righteousness. 
It's awesome. In pre-service meeting, I had this vision of two faces, the silhouettes of two faces. And I felt God say, look into my face. And we see in, in, in Exodus 33, where he speaks to Moses face to face. And we have this mentality often of worshiping at his feet. Now, it's nothing, there's, there's nothing wrong with it. But sometimes get up and look into his face. And I think about Jordan. When Jordan plays at my feet, it's awesome. But when he looks up into my eyes and he looks into my face, I can see the smile, the reflection. I can see the beauty of innocence. I can see the love between me and him. And that's what God wants. It's not, you're not doing God a disservice by looking into his face. You're actually worshiping him. Because you're not going to look eye to eye. You're going to look up. You're still looking up because he's God. He's almighty, but it's worship because I'm looking up. I'm looking into his face. And here we have it. When I shall be satisfied, or I will see your face when? When I'm righteous. What did Jesus come to do? To give righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He who knew no sin became sin, so that we could become what? The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This is Psalms, by the way. This is not epistles this is psalms this is before the cross this is prophetic it says i shall be satisfied i shall be satisfied when i awake in your likeness to your likeness if i see myself as you see me this is really the born again experience and what it says is basically you cannot be satisfied without being born again it's evident the world gets up to all kinds of crazy because they're not satisfied. I shall be satisfied. I shall be satisfied. So really the, the title of my message this morning is Awaken to His Likeness in You. Awaken to His Likeness in You. And that's the beauty of, of, of what we've got here. Listen to it again. I'm asking you, are you satisfied with life? I'm going to take it a step further. I'm going to say, are you fully satisfied? Not, yeah, it's okay. We'll deal with it. You must get it. What can I do? Help you to clean it. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back. I'm going to help you. We're going to listen. All of that is carnal, by the way. I'm inviting you to a spiritual reality. Because Hebrews 13 and verse 5 says, be content, be satisfied, be happy, be full, be, be thankful because of what you've got. Interesting then, Hebrews 13, 5, the context is money and God. It says, don't look for money. People seldom quote the first part of the verse, which says, do not chase money, do not worship money, but be content with what you've got because He said. What do you have? He. What do you have? Him. Him who will never leave you. Him who will never forsake you. That's what you've got. So you can be satisfied. The Passion says, Then I will awaken with your form to be fully satisfied, fulfilled in the revelation of your glory in me. Oh, if that doesn't bless your socks off, you didn't listen. Then I will awaken this is a prayer by the way it's a prophetic prayer i will awaken with your form god and be fully satisfied i will be fulfilled in the revelation of your glory in me back to the verse ruan shared earlier galatians 1:15 who revealed his son people think some of the translations that get you off track there it says to me and then they think it's on the, wo- on the road to, to, to Damascus. And then what happens there is, I have never gone on the road to Damascus. I've never fallen off my horse. I've never had God speak to me from the clouds. So Paul is more special than I am. Maybe you, you don't know that you think that, but a lot of us do. Now he says, no, it's not that God spoke to me from heaven, because I don't believe if he, he got born again. I believe Paul got born again when Ananias preached the gospel to him, and it says scales fall out, fell of his eyes. Because then he saw Christ, and the veil was lift. So he writes later, the same guy who had scales full of his eyes, he said, 
when you turn to Christ, I think it's 1 Corinthians 3, the veil is removed. And now you read Moses and you read a whole new book. Now you read Genesis and you see, hey, it's not about creation, it's about the new creation. So this satisfaction comes when you see Christ in you. And that same Paul wrote that in Colossians 1.27, that Christ in you, or Christ in me, is what? The hope of survival. The hope of making it through the weekend. The hope of not clawing and not complaining. No, 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 no. The hope of glory. And His glory will be seen upon you. And Isaiah takes it further. The, the, the word is, Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Not your glory. It's effortless. But you have to receive it. Not through your works. Through His purpose. For behold, what do you see? That's the question. And one of the ways that, that we can subtitle the message today is, How do you see yourself? We can, we can subtitle it, but are you fully satisfied? There's many subtitles we can give because the objective of the message really is to awaken to His likeness in you. His form, His purpose, His spirit. Behold, darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. Who's living with me in that world? We're living there, okay? So... It's a bit light, but the screen currently, if you go look on Teresa's laptop, is black with white letters. Okay? If we do a color survey on the screen, is there more light or more darkness on the screen? If we survey the, the, the surface area, it's a lot more black than it's white. That's what the word says. There's darkness on the face of the earth. But when we read the, the, the white letters, we don't look at the darkness. So we are not to be focused on the darkness because then we'll miss the message. You are called to be light, not majority. It's God's dream that we would be the majority because then everyone will get saved. Or the more people get saved, the more the majority obviously swings in our favor. But we are not called to be in the majority. We are called to be messengers of hope, of light, carriers of His glory. So we get sidetracked by the darkness when it is evident that the darkness is there, but guess what? When it's dark, you can just shine brighter. The contrast is, if we made the background gray, it would be difficult to read. So in darkness, you as a Christian will, will stand out. And that's often the problem. Or you go for Christmas. And you know the skull boat is ready. And, and someone says something that is just completely off. Now I don't want to upset the apple cart. Well, stand out. You are the light of the world. Do it in love. Do it truthfully. Share the truth, not your opinion. But do it in love. Stand out. But it's not you, it's Christ in you. And as you shine brightly, people will see His glory, not yours. The brightness of His glory now appears on us. Ephesians 2 and verse 10. For we are His workmanship. Created. When were we created? In the beginning. Created where? In Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before... When is before? Well, before you were here. Ordained that you would walk in Him. God had a plan. God had a calling. God had a purpose. It's in Christ. But then we had sin. And then He had to wipe out sin and its effects to bring us back into restored state so that we can now go back into the plan and the purpose of God. The plan and the purpose of God is bigger than getting you out of your sin. That's the starting point. That's good. Because, I share this in Born to Evil, if you are only going to be considering and, 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 and busy with your sin or not sinning, 
you're never going to complete the Great Commission. You're not even going to partake in it. So if we constantly preach, stop sinning, we're never doing what God said we should do. Because we're never getting out of ourselves, out of our comfort zone, out of our self-centeredness. Because if it's about me and my salvation and me not sinning, it's all about me. And I don't know about you, but Philippians 2 says clearly, consider others as more important than yourselves. Hebrews 12 says, lay aside every sin in the weight that so easily besets you, or keeps you back, keeps you down. It says, move on from sin. You are not a sinner. Let's tell the world that they can also be not sinners. They can be born again. They can eat of this new tree. That's the good works. You are His handiwork. You are His poetry. You are His beauty. But you need to awaken to that. You need to realize who you are. You need to realize what God has planned for you. You need to see that it's not just restored to a fallen state or from a fallen state. The purpose and the calling on your life is much bigger. Me and you, our purpose falls in line with God's eternal plan. And we've, we've said that many times looking forward. But I'm so blessed by saying that looking back. Not just into eternity is God's plan for me, no, but from the beginning. Because He called the end from the beginning. So we are part of God's plan. Listen to this, Ephesians 2 and verse 11. Wherefore remember that you were being in time past, Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by them which are called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. And at that time, you were without Christ. So there was a time when we were without, without Christ, being aliens. I like the King James there. You were aliens. You were strangers from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. Having no hope. Anyone know some hopeless people? Having no hope and without God in the world. That's who we were. But guess what? There's many people still there. But now. Say, but now. Okay, so there was a state, but now there's a new state. There was an old you, but now there's a new you. There was an old place where you were outside of Christ, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near, have been brought close, have become one with God through the blood of Jesus. So the plan has always been for you to be one with Him, to be close, to be intimate, but the blood of Jesus had to deal with the sin that kept you away so that you can come back and now partake of God's original plan. So the cross is not plan B. The cross was the plan to restore you to God's plan. It was just a detour because man chose wrong. Oh, I'm getting frowns here. It's lovely. Listen to the Passion Translation. Maybe that helps you. Yet look at you now. Everything is new. Although you were once distant and far away from God, now you have been brought delightfully close to Him. Through the sacred blood of Jesus, you have actually been united to Christ. You have now been engraved, engrafted into the tree of life. You know what's beautiful? Your root system... Let's say your history is nowhere to be seen. Because when you look into the tree and you look into your history, the root system, you just see Christ. Because you've been engrafted into that tree. You've been cut off from the old man and you've been engrafted. So now when the word says you died with him, it is because when we look at the ringer, the yarringer of this tree... It doesn't go back to your birth. It goes back to the beginning. But you bear the fruit of what God planned in the beginning. You are the branch. I am the vine, says Jesus. Again, another difficult thing that makes sense if we come back to the story of the Bible. Do not be deceived by the snake who wants to take you away from the simplicity that is in Christ. That is a foundational thing for us as a church.
Proverbs 11, 28. Didn't realize how well this fits in. He who trusts in riches will fall. But the righteous will fl flourish like foliage. That's growth. That's flowers. The King James says, like a branch. The righteous will flourish like a branch. Why? Because your old man is nowhere to be seen. And John 15, really, Jesus teaches this. And he says, you're now engrafted into the vine. And you can do nothing without me. Your life flow, the Passion Translation says, comes from being united to the one. And then, who bears the fruit? The branch. We do. But who's the source? It's him. You know, I'm always wondering that verse that says, I think it's Ephesians, it says, grow your roots deep into love. I'm like, but the ground isn't love. So where do I find love to grow my roots into love? If it's grow your roots, the roots of the branch, deep into the tree of love. Don't worry about the ground. That's for Him. But you become more and more one with this tree into which you've been engrafted, the tree of life, the tree of love. And then you will bear much fruit. Amen? Verse 30 says, But the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he who wins souls is wise. What a, what a wisdom statement. The fruit of the righteous is more people like Christ. More people engraved into this tree. More people brought back to their true purpose, their calling, God's original intent, the tree of life. And hey, if you win souls, you're wise. Not because you'll have more money. No, no, no. It's not about money. It's because you will live the more blessed life. You will be satisfied. You will be filled. Guess what? You just might be fully satisfied with life. Because you've stepped into your true nature. The true reason for our existence is to be one with God and to make others one with Him. It's to be stars that give light to the earth. It is to shine, but not in our closet, in the world. That's fine. You can laugh. It's, <laughs> it's to shine brightly. It's not to keep your light just like Moses did. I'm so scared the light's going to go away. No, it's to shine brightly. Jesus said, a city on a hill cannot be hid. Get out of the bucket. Forget about it. What is a bucket? It's man-made. Get out from the bucket. Shine brightly. Let's go back to 2 Timothy as we close the service. It says, Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given to us, given, key word, not earned, given, to us, where? You see, we think it's by someone. But you actually get all that God has planned for you when you go where He has planned for you to be, which is in Christ. Because He's given you everything in Christ Jesus. Okay? When? He's planned that before time began, before the world began. Now verse 10 is critical because it says, but now is made manifest. That's the mystery revealed. That's the end from the beginning. That is the, the, the analogy now becoming real. The spirituality now being shining out of this Old Testament stories, if you will. By the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death. Death was the last enemy, the word says. But He's abolished death and has brought life and immortality, that's eternity, that's eternal life, if you want to just word it differently, to light through the gospel. So to light means to made visible 
so that others can access it. So we share the gospel, absolutely we share the gospel. We include the cross. Paul said, I preach the cross, and I preach Christ, and Christ crucified. Okay? But it doesn't just take us back to a, a state of zero. The cross took us back to a state of zero, so that we can eat of the tree of life, and actually live forever, the word says. So Adam and Eve would not have lived forever unless they ate of the tree of life. But they ate of the wrong tree, which was carnality, because they wanted to know what's right and wrong. So God had to restore all of that thinking, and all of sin and death, and He had to pay the, the enemy, and He had to beat the last enemy, which was death, and that's resurrection, so that we can now be restored from our sinful state, but now we can also eat of that tree, and actually live forever. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. Simple. Yeah, my Peter, there's a deeper meaning. No, there isn't. If you have the Son, you have life. If you don't have the Son, you don't have life. But you see, we didn't always have access to the Son because of sin. So the Son came down to where we were because we couldn't go up to where He was. And He restored us by becoming one like us so that we can now go where He is, seated at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places. Let's end this with Galatians 3. I see some question marks. I just want to... I just want to land this Boeing safely. Genesis 3 and verse 13. Galatians, sorry. So I'm saying Genesis these days. I'm confusing it. Galatians 3 and verse 13. <laughs> you can read all of it. It's really all confirming this. But... Um, The law is not of faith, verse 12. But the man that does them shall live in them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Okay, so that's the restoration of the curse. That is dealing with the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Because Deuteronomy 28 says it clearly, If you do good, you get good. If you do bad, you get bad. Knowledge of good and evil. But God now comes and restores us from that curse of... And that curse is also that thinking. It's that mindset of, I'm doing good, I'm getting good. I'm doing bad, I'm expecting bad. He wants to, to sanitize you, if you will, from that thinking. He wants to uproot those old trees in your brain so that you can be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Because now He wants you to, to think new. Because verse 13 is amazing, and we've preached that for years. But verse 14 says that. Or so that. So it doesn't end with the restoration of the curse that actually sets us up for something. If you go to the golf course, beautiful golf course, don't look now. No, I'm joking. Um, you're doing well to, to look at me and not just at this beautiful view, by the way. If you go onto the tee, the box, the tee box, you take a golf ball, Herman will show you. You take a pin, okay, a, a peniki. Those are ones usually ladies that end up in the, in the washing and breaks the washing machine. Anyways, you go up to the pin, on the tee box, and you tee up the ball. Everyone seen that? Have you completed the game? Okay, so why do we stop at Galatians 3 and verse 13? That's just teeing us up. We're putting the ball on a pin so that we can whack it up really 200, 300 meters down the straight. Why do you tee up the ball? So that. Why did Jesus come... On the cross. So that. You see it goes much bigger. Than just the cross. Because it says that the blessing of Abraham. Might come on the Gentiles. Through Jesus Christ. What is that blessing? That we might receive. The promise of the spirit. Through faith. So what is the actual game. Of life. To live in the Spirit. 
sin and the curse was in the way. But it was dealt with so that we can eat of the tree of life, live in the Spirit, and actually live forever. Interesting that the T is wood, by the way. The cross dealt with your past. So now, choose life. That's really our message. You are invited to the spiritual life where you actually live forever. Does that help anyone? I'm sure there's questions. Go study it out. Ask your life group leader. Please, don't run off and be upset. If you're upset, we'll help you hopefully get less upset. But we're not saying things to upset people. We're saying things to, to set you free. Amen? We're saying things because we want to see you flourish. Because when you flourish, the church flourishes. And when the church flourishes, the kingdom flourishes. And when the kingdom grows, God gets the glory. It's not on me. That's why I'm not preaching. I'm sharing word. I'm showing you the word. And I'm like just all the time taking you back to the word. This is not Peter said. Okay, it's... it's the Holy Spirit said, hopefully. So you need to make it your own. Like I said, I know I dug up some old roots or exposed some, some roots this morning. Um, and that's fine. Because you can go study it out now and say, okay, but am I going to retain this root, this thinking? Or is there maybe another way to, to look at this? And um, Again, like, you don't have to be offended. Um, that was never my intent. My intent is to set you free, because I love you. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. 